What's up? Hey, buddy. Uh, I just got home from work, and I'm super excited to do this. Yeah, so this is The Juice. Uh, it's a podcast where I talk with uh, my friends and other musicians that I look up to about their favorite movie. This is – so I very specifically texted you about what your favorite sequel was. You gave me, like, three answers, two Cameron movies, I think, and then maybe one other one, right? Um. Yeah, I can't remember exactly what I sent, but anytime someone mentions sequels, which is like a really good sequel is a hard thing to do. Mm -hmm. uh, the first two that come to mind are Aliens and yep. Terminator 2. So the the thing that I'm doing is, and I'll, I'll have you, I, I'm, I, I tell everyone this, I'm going to have them back on. I'll have you back on 100% to do your favorite movie, which is, <laughs> what is your one, what is your favorite movie? My favorite movie, 100%, is The Iron Giant. Right. I remember I had some iteration of this last time that we uh, hung out when we were on tour. And I was like, oh, I'm doing this like, I'm, I'm going to do this movie thing. I'm going to, and, and I remember I watched like, I watched it. It was so dope. It's like one of the, um, you know, I'm, I'm a little weird about animation. Just like, it's tough to get me going with it. To, to, tough to get me okay. in the door. But uh, I watched it and I was like, oh, man, this is sick. This is this is so good. So we'll we'll do an Iron Giant episode. The reason that I'm doing the sequels is because for October, I'm just doing sequels. I don't it's an idea that I had I thought it would be fun. I'm, I'm making it sequel month. So we're doing we're doing sequels. And this is the first sequel pod that I'm recording. So you're the first of the second. I love that. Yeah. Um, so in the spirit of it being October and yeah. doing sequels, I almost feel guilty that I didn't pick my my <laughs> my favorite spooky sequel, okay. Halloween three season of the witch. This is this literally works out perfectly because I was gonna do third entries next next October. So awesome. it, it'll be fine. We'll just do we'll do an Iron Giant, we'll do this, and we'll do Halloween three, which is also outside of Halloween because Halloween's just so good. Halloween is just undeniable. Perfect. Um, Halloween three is my favorite in that whole kind of nightmare of a franchise. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it, the one that really <laughs> opened the floodgates for the whole seek the, the whole series to kind of go off the rails, but yeah. it does so in a, does it in a really cool way. It's fun. Yeah. I, the, yeah, the third one I just think is so cool. Um, but so yeah, this is. Uh, this is the juice this is a sequel uh, uh, first sequel show episode of it. Um, usually, you know, the 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 kind of thing that brings us together is music uh, with everyone that I talk to on this pod. So I thought I usually ask a couple questions up top. But first, I feel like we should get into a little bit about how we met, which is pretty interesting. First time we met. I don't know if you know that we met that time, which is when you were singing for Shia Lude. I. I thought we met Hollow Earth Crypto Dira mm -hmm. at what it wasn't Shaker's pub, was it? It wasn't Shaker's, it was Finn's, I think. It's okay. like down the street. Um, which it 
that was kind of the first time that we formally met. I was a kid. I was a young, well, we're not that much like it's that weird thing where like you can be 17 and I can be 14 and it's like I'm a kid and you're an adult. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think it was one of those where you were young singing for Shai Hulud and I was a little bit younger and I was like, I saw, I went to go see Shai Hulud um, at AMH. It was sick. Uh, and I think outside of when we toured with Shai Hulud, which you weren't in the band when we toured with them, that was like our first real tour. It was a little bit of a nightmare. Um, Wait, but- was, so the AMH show, was that part of Long Island Fest? I don't think it was. And I don't think Steve was playing bass, if that gives you a, okay. if that zooms out as a better so kind was, of a. Yeah, it was, it had to have been the first tour that I did with Carrier and the Rain, and Rain Supreme. Um, that sounds familiar. That sounds familiar. All, all I know is that it was very sick. Um and it Thank was and, and and we had and we had met but you know we we became friends hollow earth cryptodira at that at that uh finn's pub show that was we i we just instantly connected i think you sound checked with something that i liked or i had sound checked with something that you had liked and we kind of headed off um, it's like it a, was great. A, a thing that i think people outside of heavy music or music in general don't understand the importance of is the sound check riff. Oh, everybody's 100%. got one and everyone puts more thought into it than you ever think they would. Nobody wants to let on that. It's something that they decide on, but uh-huh. like, I know I'm going on this tour. I'm going to sound check with like one of three riffs yep. so that if somebody hears it and they are pumped on it, then I can yep. make a new friend. Yep. Yep. I, could not agree more that's uh and it is very calculated always and every single tour i'm sure you're kind of the same every single tour that i go on it's a new one where i'm like uh I, sometimes like my old reflexes kick in and i start to after you know 10 seconds and the sound guys like keep going i i roll into whatever the sound check riff from the previous tour was or something like that but because it's there it's locked in yep yep uh but either way that's we we became friends that way and and so you've the Ever since I've known you, you've you've gone through kind of like you you jump from band to you just like jump from band to band in, in a way that's like uh, you, you just like playing music. So right now you are playing in in what bands are you playing? Uh, I'm in three and a half bands. Awesome right answer. Now. Awesome um, answer. So yeah, I love riffing with my boys. Yeah, that's all it's, that matters to me. So I'm also actually I'll say I'll say four bands, but the last one is two halves. Um, so Hollow okay. Earth, Hollow Earth never broke up. Mm. We recorded a full length that just never got finished. So that probably that record will exist at some point. So that's a that's a first half. OK. Um, the second half is. I hit my buddy up last night and was like, Hey, I got riffs. You got riffs. And he was like, yeah, I got riffs. So we were like, all right, cool. Let's do something. That's sick. Um, I sing for a crappy punk band called strange magic. That's really fun. Um, that's all just bits. The whole it's, thing is just, I've seen live videos of you guys play. It's not crappy. It's great. It's, it's awesome. I appreciate that. Uh, the last yeah. time strange magic played, we 
we got asked to do a show with spiritual cramp at third man records in Detroit, which like is a super cool spot. Um, the venue space itself is awesome. The sound is incredible. And we were super pumped on it. And our drummer was like, Hey, we agreed to play it. And then like a day later, he was like, Hey, I'm an idiot. I can't play that show. I'm going to Disney with the family. And sure. we we're like, all right, well, like our buddy Teddy has filled in on drums before he knows the songs. We can just give him a set list and he'll know it. Um, and then maybe like a week later, our bass player, Jimmy was like, Hey, I also can't do that. I'm going to be in Canada with my wife. Uh-huh. And we were like, all right, well, do we get two fill-ins? Is half the band going to be fill-ins? Right. And so I texted my friend Wade and said, hey, would you be able to fill in for Mark on guitar for the show? And he was like, yeah, sure. And so I hit up my friend Nick and said, hey, would you be able to sing a few Strange Magic songs for this show on this date? And he's like, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. And so the last time Strange Magic played it was all fill-ins. You've you've also done something funny with this band that I saw, which is you retired a song or traded a song to another band. I saw a video of of something like that. We we retired a song that every the bit with the song is called MTV News is that it's fifty seconds long, uh-huh. so we would play it like four or five times a set. Cool. We would play it and then we'd be like, all right, that was a good time. Let's run it back. And then later we'd be like, hey, do you remember that song we played? We're going to do it again. Um, And so at our record release, we gave a speech just like, hey, thank you guys so much for being here. Due to the circumstances, we felt like it was the right time to say goodbye. So this is the last time we're ever going to play play MTV News. Mm -hmm. And we played it. And then when it was done, I was like, hey, thank you guys so much for being here. Due to the circumstances, we felt like this would be the right time to say goodbye. And so I just kept giving the same speech over and over and we kept playing it over and over until we eventually just started giving the instruments to the people in the crowd. And so I think it got played a total of 12 times in a row in the last five or six. No one in the band was playing. Yeah, that's awesome. That's that's so sick. Okay, so we're up to three. Okay, four. um, Four. Uh, a heavy band, very like '90s metallic hardcore influenced. Um, very turmoil. Um, that's like kind of the main thing. Um, called Cleanse that just recorded. That'll be sweet. And then um, a very fast hardcore punk band. Uh, with my buddy Jimmy singing. Uh, of Edgeman Printing. Shout out to them um called bad beat that's it it. so 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 covering covering a lot of different genre which is cool two two things before i move on from this which is i'm always amazed when i hear like a good short band name and you've got two that i'm like jealous of one being cleanse where i think of that and i go why isn't there like five bands named cleanse literally cannot believe that it has not been taken and it's just it's a name that I've been wanting to use forever because it's the name of I'll get maybe some, some heat for this. It's my favorite burn release. Okay. Honestly, the, the listenership of this podcast, uh, probably, probably not same as listenership for burn. Yeah. (laughs) Nope. Nope. Uh, uh, but so that'll be fine. But the other one is strange magic. I think that's like, 
one of my favorite band names that that like very recently I've heard. I like it a lot. I think it's perfect. Um, we were coming up with band names when we like the second time we jammed and we had a list of like five or six and I was just like, I don't know, that one's cool. Can we just use it and not think any more about it? Yeah. And that's kind of, we did the same thing with our last album art. Uh, we were recording it and our drummer was really high and there's a painting hanging on the wall of where we recorded and our drummer just took a picture of it on his phone and was like, that's the album art. And we said, okay, cool. <laughs> That's awesome. That That's sick. That's sick. That's yeah. you're, you're having fun in that rocks. Well, um, also stressing out about names and record covers art, and titles artwork, and shit Jesus is the worst. It is. It's, it's quite, so, it's, it's like maybe one of the worst things about being in a band other than having to train, change your strings. Yeah. We just don't, let ourselves do it yeah. we just don't care that's cool we figure that's it cool. out and we move on and you've got you've got cool stuff uh subsequently because of it um all right so one of the, the branching off of that the the mu kind of music portion of this one of the things that we bonded on like super early was kind of carpenter stuff i think it was because hollow Earth had a big trouble in little china uh rip that i was like oh man that's cool um and and we started talking about Carpenter, and we've 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 talked about like tons of movies and stuff. But I do feel like it always comes back to Carpenter or Cameron because we always talk about aliens as well. Um, what growing up like? What's I, I'm going to ask about your relationship with T two in general? But what's like growing up? When do you first get introduced to this? Because I do feel like it's kind of a um, it, it does kind of go hand in hand with heavy music. But but at the same time, those movies are so huge that they transcend that. But it's it's this weird thing where it's like um, the 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 subcultures themselves of heavy music and like these kind of collectible driven horror uh, movies. I don't want to say franchises because some of them are just one off movies. Um, they like the 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 listenership or the viewership. They kind of like they really latch onto them as their own. And so it's, it's one of these things where you get like really defensive of, and like, it's your own thing, especially growing up at a young age where you're like, this is the best movie in the world. This is the best music in the world. Everyone else, the music and movies they like suck when you're a young kid, you know what I mean? As you get older, yeah. you, you start to like appreciate everything for what it is. And, and, you know, but, but growing up, when's, when's all this stuff first on your radar? So I was pretty simple, like growing up, I like, I got into punk pretty young, um, which I'm super thankful for. Mm -hmm. And I was always into movies, but being like a teenager, I was never like a super horror guy. So horror itself is, a, is, I'd say my favorite genres are sci-fi and horror. Horror was hard for me to get into because I was, have always been and still am 0% goth. Like sure. I got, <laughs> I got none of that in my body. I have never been like a spooky guy. So yeah. like it was hard for me when I first saw shit that I was just like, Oh, like I love Adam Sandler. So this yeah. is like not my vibe, but 
I started watching slashers um, and just like the hits, you know, yeah. um, you watch the Friday, the 13th movies and nightmare on Elm street and my favorite sleepaway camp um, sleepaway camp because fun. they're as like a person who's like generally pretty goofy and likes goofy shit. Like weird Al's my favorite musician. Like yep. you get into it because it's funny and it's like, there's an element of self-awareness where it is not, there's like a really weird balance that needs to be struck that movies like Friday the 13th and evil dead hits on evil dead Two, which is even more self-aware comes right up to the line. But I think there are movies that are too self-aware and it becomes a detriment. It makes it hard to watch. Yeah. Like, when your goal is to be, it's so bad, it's good. It oh, doesn't yeah. work. It when it needs when to you, be unintentional. Yep. It you you have to have someone at the helm who thinks they're making a masterpiece, but it's horrible, and in order for it yes. to work, that's that's I, like that's the only way. That's the only way it works. And and to your to your point about comedy and horror. The reason why I think comedy guys are so good at horror too, which is a thing that we see more and more, like what's his face uh, that does the gemstone stuff. That's all that's involved with the new Halloween stuff. I'm gonna I'm gonna kill myself for Danny not knowing. McBride? Yeah, Danny McBride. Um, it, like it's all timing. It's 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 all timing, whether it's jokes or whether it's scaring Scares. someone. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yep. You gotta it's, have a sense for it, and if you don't, it just feels like you're trudging through it and it's painful. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and the one, and so that, that is the horror aspect, but the sci-fi, the sci-fi is more brooding and like patient and it is a lot less goofy. It's a lot. And, and it's a lot less goth too. It's like a lot more silver, which, which is kind of, you know, like Terminator is silver, but I, I think like, I just saw 2001 for the first time, which is a crazy blind spot that I had. Wait, how long ago? Like, uh, less than a week ago, so last Sunday, and that was oh, my last wow. Kubrick. I've seen like I've seen Fear and Desire, I've seen The Killing, I've seen the stuff from the fifties, I've seen Eyes Wide Shut a million times. Like you know, I, I I love all of it, but for some reason I was just like, I I don't know if I wanted to like wait for the right time to see it, and I did. I, I saw it seventy millimeter at uh Museum of the Moving Image. It was sick. It was like unreal. It's a great great way to see it for the first time. I I think that. My relationship with movies is like, and has always been like coming from being a child and understanding what it is that I like and struggling with, is this okay to like, or am I a fucking idiot for this? Right. Um, Has always been really challenging. And I've always kind of felt like generally the merit of a, a movie is based to me on did it set out did it accomplish what it set out to do and was it a good time okay so in 2001 is not a good time (laughs) no no it's, it's not it's not a fun watch but it is unbelievable to me because that movie was made in 1968 and still today looks unbelievable 
unreal. And and it's one of those movies that like uh, it might be one of the only movies, period, that uh, ages. It's like, you know, how movies age well. This one like plays better today than it does in the 60s. It's- in a weird way, I almost think that like that movie is stuck in time in a very unique way where it will i i guess it's not that unique it's timeless it is perfect and from front to back it hits all these themes and does them in such a weird off-putting way that kind of always keeps you off center to where you never what do you do? You really identify with Dave? No, you are <laughs> yeah, just no, kind of no. watching what's happening and it puts you in this position of you're just watching this. You're watching what's happening and it creates a space for you as the viewer to just be the omnipresent visitor into that world. And it's so weird the way that the, it does it. Yeah. And the way that like, how specifically the way the AI thing ages and and the the, the point I wanted to make outside of the AI because because that it's so funny that the movie's two and a half hours and like the the story is what forty minutes you know it, oh it's, yeah the fact that this thing is so abstract like there's no dialogue the first twenty five minutes no dialogue the last twenty or something like that it's the fact that this thing is so abstract and it's like one of the like biggest movies ever made is is it's it's cool it's it's cool for sure um that, it's, it's just the mainstream has accepted it as just like oh this is like a phenomenal piece of art yeah yeah because a lot of times like that shit just you know flies over people's heads oh it's not for me or or just flies so under the radar that that people just don't get a chance to see it that that aren't invested in seeking yeah. out stuff like that and uh, it's it's a real testament to something that I think Kubrick and James Cameron both really have in common, which is visual storytelling. Bring it, bringing it back to Cameron, which is good. Cause I can, I get lost in these pods sometimes where oh, I just it's easy like, to do. I'm here for you, Bubba. Yeah. I, I appreciate you. Uh, but it, it brings it back to Cameron and brings it back to, <laughs> I was going to, I was going to ask you and it kind of relates to the uh, 2001 thing, but it does relate to Terminator two where Terminator two, two, where basically when you think movies does you ever watch a movie and does it influence like the way that you write music in any kind of way or is this kind of like i i always like to get people's perspectives on art versus entertainment when it comes to movies and if you're like kind of looking for both sometimes or 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 you just like it's case by case which is usually the case but always um i I used to ask bands on tour because I thought it was a real interesting question was if a movie was playing behind your band, what movie would it be? That's a cool question. Cause I think every band's got a vibe. Yeah. Like every band's got it. And if you don't, you should get one. Um, And one of the things that I was the most proud of was I felt like towards kind of the end of hollow earth, like playing shows and touring, we had like floodlights and fog. Like we were trying to really like set a vibe. And I was like, we are alien. The movie, the band. I I absolutely see that right down to the fucking name. Honestly. Yeah. Which I, 
wish I could change. <laughs> it's like not, not my favorite. It has not aged sure. well with me, but that's okay. Sure, sure, sure. I, I guess I just mean from the the idea of it being a, a kind of sci-fi adjacent type thing. Um, Which it was never meant to be and then kind of became because yeah. I was I felt more comfortable about letting the thematic influences come into the music, which like at the end of the day, if you're not a nerd, like get the fuck out. Like if you're and and I don't mean like you have to be into high fantasy and D and D. I mean like you got to be a nerd about something, and even if that's just being a nerd about fucking prog core, like sure, sure. If you're if you're a nerd about something, you can let that bleed into whatever you're doing. I yep. know how many people are just like nerds for video games, and look at yeah. Vatican. Yeah, yeah, cool, cool example. Uh, vid- like video game band, and not in like, and not no. There, there are. It's not like corny. Was, it wasn't a. Yeah. It wasn't a gimmick. It was. This is what we're into, and it's influencing our music. And it wasn't. You know, it would have been really easy for Vatican to be like, okay, well, here's this breakdown with a Chrono Trigger sample, and it's yeah, like, well, yeah. that doesn't. That doesn't. That's not it. But it's. It's the vibe. It's when you really care about something, you can't help but let what matters to you bleed into what you create. Yep. Yep. That's that's I I, I like that a lot. And I really I, I keep thinking about that. If if you had a movie playing behind you, what would it be type thing? That that's that's a cool question. I'm going to be thinking about that for a minute. Um, and it's really funny because like I felt like Hollow Earth alien. And then yep. I would see some bands and I'd be like, that's a, a that band's got fucking Billy Madison playing behind him for sure. <laughs> like that shit is goofy and fun and I back it. Um, yeah. yeah. Billy Madison also top five in all, all top time five favorite movies, all, all time. time, all time, top five. I feel like Adam Sandler had a real, you know, I, I feel like he's had a real up and down in terms of uh, like the, the, the way that people perceive him uh, in, in, in like, it's a thing where I, I think that as he's doing the uh, every time he does a serious movie, people are people are in on him again, and they're okay with admitting that they like the stuff like Billy Madison and stuff like that. And then he's he takes a long enough break from it, and people start to uh, you know even even they they're uh, hesitant to admit that they like Big Daddy. You know what I mean? These these people are fucking cowards. If you don't ride for the Sandman through everything, you don't deserve him. Because everybody wants to talk about how fucking good Uncut Gems is, but guess what? You never saw That's My Boy. It's phenomenal. <laughs> it's awesome. You didn't see Hubie Halloween. It's it it fucking rocks. Hubie is. I Hubie, I, I, I could gotta do an hour do and a half on, on the Sandman. I could do an hour and a half on the Sandman. Maybe we'll have to do we a uh, Billy Madison app. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. We'll do a Billy Madison app. It'll be good. Um. Okay, all right. Let me let me bring it back to Cameron. Your relationship with Terminator Two. Where does that start? Um, it started when I was a kid. Uh, it came out in so I'm I just turned thirty three. Um, cool. So, so it is. We're I'm thirty. You're thirty three. It is that funny thing where it's like I'm sure you were like it's like the nineteen versus sixteen thing where it's like you're nineteen, you're an adult, you're sixteen, you're a kid. You might have been I, nineteen playing. In I literally Tri-Lu. had. I literally had um, my buddy Dylan, 
who sings for age of apocalypse who rocks from hudson valley mm -hmm. um came through and i didn't recognize him he was like hey i don't know if you remember me and it like clicked and he was like yeah man dude you were just so cool to me when i was just a kid and i was like how old are you he was like 31 i was like <laughs> right the same age yep, and he was like yep. yeah but you were singing for that band so it didn't feel like it and yeah. i was like oh well i guess i appreciate that i had the impact and it was like really cool to hear and he's he's the the fucking man so that was like a, a really awesome cool thing to catch up with him on um yeah that's it's a yeah, similar it's thing that, it's, it's a similar thing. thing with us i i feel where i was like you, you it's different one when you're on a stage and and one when you're like 15 and you see someone who's 18 you don't know what it entails even at 15 i was like oh, i was just so cool this guy's probably making a ton of money playing in shy Hulud on top of like being able to tour the world and like you know, you know what i mean like you have no perspective of what touring is or being in a band is when you're 15. you, you at 15 had more money than i did at 18 playing in that band i yeah i i i I believe it because just, <laughs> yeah, I, I know how it goes. Um, but, but uh, yeah, T2 as a kid, you, that's that. And I, I do feel like this is like a perfect teenager movie or like beyond that, a perfect, a perfect movie for like a nine-year-old too. It, it was a movie that like my parents were, my parents are, are, I don't want to say movie people in that they like, they're not nerds about it. Like they mm -hmm. don't care about it, but they love movies. And so we were always watching them. Um, and Terminator two is like, my dad's like an ex Marine. He's like a, a real, like guys guy kind of sure. dude. And so like, of course he would like Terminator two, the greatest action movie ever made. Yeah. I'm sure also a big aliens guy. I'm sure. Um, no, he, so he, really? when you, when you got a little too sci-fi on him, he couldn't hang. He was an okay. action movie guy. So okay. he was, he was all about die hard. He was like in the military, he was a cop. So he like loved cop, cop shit, um, sure. comedies. So like something like rush hour is like, that's his dream movie. Okay. Um, okay. You got action, you got comedy, you got cops like he's in, um, <laughs> So the, the sci-fi thing was not his realm. My okay. mom enjoys sci-fi, but is more of a fantasy person. Okay. If anything, my mom is more of a, a straight up. My mom loves kids movies. My mom like asks me if I've seen the new trolls movie <laughs> and I have to be like, Hey, I can't watch that. Like I'm, I'm it's a, illegal. It's, a, it's, it's illegal for me to watch that. Like if I, if I select it on Netflix, like the FBI will knock on my door and ask yep. to search my computer. Like I can't watch it, um, <laughs> but she does like sci-fi. Um, I think sure. I mostly got, I think I just found sci-fi maybe through like video games Makes and, sense. and then reading like random books that I found in the school library that I was just like, Oh, this is dope. Like That's aliens cool. are cool. I'm into this. Robots are sick. Outer space seems neat yeah. actually it seems like it sucks there's like zero stores zero restaurants <laughs> no malls no malls dude there i could never uh i could never get a burrito there so um no. but terminator 2 was like i liked it as a kid because 
because it was loud yeah. and violent. And then as I got older, I was like, oh, actually, it's the greatest thing I've ever seen. I I think the thing that helps young kids such as myself, similar kind of thing going on with my parents where my mom likes movies just fine. My dad was constantly watching something, but again, not a nerd about it in a sense where it's like, didn't care as much about directors, more about like, more about genre, I would say. And he was more of a sci-fi guy. So Terminator, Aliens, Predator, all kind of the fly, all that shit very much on his radar. And because of that, I'm eight, nine. That's the that's the stuff that I'm being shown first. And and Terminator 2 is one of the first ones. Um, and I think the thing that helps young kids, like the reason my sister likes aliens, because she got shown that as a kid, is because of Newt. The reason that I liked Terminator 2 as a kid is because of John Connor. And it's like you put yourself in this situation with these creatures or robots, and it makes it that much easier. And then on top of it, it's like, yeah, it's loud. Like you said, it's loud. Lots of explosions. Shit looks awesome. Um, it's just, it's just cool. Period. It's, it's bad fucking ass. Yeah, and I think that's really what gets me. Is like, I didn't, I don't remember ever feeling like, oh, the kid, like, cool. I'm a kid too. I remember being like, where the fuck is my little motorcycle? Sure, Why do I have one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I do. I, I when I write when I uh, when I rewatch these movies for the pod, I I take down a bunch of notes, and I do believe I had a little note about the kid in general, and just kind of this is it. The John Connor is awesome. Blah blah blah. Uh, but where is it? It was. I'll find it. But it's basically something about how why didn't I have this kid's life? Even though it's miserable, kind of miserable life. Whatever because he's being hunted by robots. But, you know, it, it just seemed like a kid that I would love to hang out with at that age. I really feel like they could have sold how shitty his parents were way more. His step, like his foster parents? Step parents, yeah, his foster parents. Like, they could have really sold, because they kind of just seem like, oh, yeah, I don't know, they don't seem very cool. Like, I wouldn't so, want to hang out with them. But they don't feel super terrible. Yeah, that, so... Vasquez is is one of them. That's Vasquez and Aliens is the mother. It's just they they oh, like, yeah. and then the the other one, the stepdad. Do you recognize him? Because for me, he's a very much like a like a that guy. It's like oh, there there's that guy. Uh, he he's a guy. He's in stuff. Do you do you recognize him from anything? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, you you a Candyman guy? Especially being from Michigan. Yes. So, okay. yeah. Candyman rocks. He's, like, he, he's the, he's the, the husband uh, in, in Candyman. Rewatch Candyman, you'll, okay. you'll recognize him immediately. And then the other thing is, he's the guy who fucks Al Pacino's wife in Heat. Oh, that's dope. Yeah. That's cool. It's awesome. It's awesome. Who doesn't realize that she's, whatever, but it, who cares? It's, it's fine. Um, but yes, uh, you're right about the the step parents, and I I'll I'll go through my notes in this in this next little bit, because um, the next thing that I do want I want to get into the movie itself, and um, the next thing I'm going to ask you is I used to go through the plot, whatever. It's it's relatively simple, right? It's uh, you know, kid is 
trying to outrun a robot that's trying to kill him with a robot that's trying to help him. That's that's the movie, right? Yeah. Simple. First of three favorite favorite moments of Terminator 2. Um <laughs> If we're talking are we talking scenes or moments? I think I I want you to interpret this. So like even if it's like an aspect of the movie, you know what I mean? Like Three favorite okay. things about Terminator 2, whether it's something that literally happens, something that it's about, a scene, anything. Okay, so my first favorite thing is the way it... If you didn't know what this movie was, and you know, I don't remember the trailers at all, and I haven't seen any, um, sure. you would go into this having watched the first one, and see Arnold Schwarzenegger and think, oh, this is bad. And the way that they, <laughs> the way that they really build up that he just walked into this place, like fucked these people up, stole their clothes. And then you see the other guy who yep. in Terminator one was Kyle Reese. This guy also is in a cop uniform, which like for most people automatically like does something in your brain where you associate it with, Oh, this is the good guy. This guy is the cop. And his introduction is just like asking the foster parents, like, Hey, where's your son? No indication that he's the bad guy. It's like a straight up, like a long con bait and switch. And he nails it. It's perfect because all of it, all of it builds up, which like my first favorite actual moment is when they're in the arcade and the cop asks his friend, hey, have you seen this kid? And the kid just like, without any hesitation, just lies to the cop. Yeah. Badass. Love that. Love lying to the cops. Big fan. Yep. I love crime. Um, yep. Love that he he just has his boys back like that. Uh, but that if you don't know what's happening, John Connor, the T-1000, and the T-101 – all meet up at the same time and you assume shit's about to go down and that Arnold's about to put a hurting on our little boy. Yep. And then he flips the script on you almost literally. It's, it's pretty. And the idea of the trailer that you, that you pose, which is like, neither of us were exposed to this trailer because we didn't, we weren't cognizant of trailers in, and I don't think either of us were, were alive when this movie first came out. Right. So, yeah, no, neither of us were 86 or no, 86 is aliens. So actually, no, this is 90 something. Either way, this is we're 91. Not, if we are. So I'm not born yet. And what are you two? I'm one years old. <laughs> you don't know what a trailer is if you're one years old. You know what I mean? So I even did. if you did I'm see different. it. Oh, <laughs> so even <laughs> so even if you so so maybe you just didn't see it. Uh, But but either way, I I am curious about and I'm going to go back and and watch a trailer to see if they let you know or if it's kind of vague and and you go into it thinking because what a what a a pull the rug out from under you moment when you see the guy who was killing everyone in the last Mm -hmm. movie protects john connor Mm -hmm. like if you lord hope they did the the marketing the right way and didn't let anybody in on like Hey, actually, this time he's good. Right. Because if you're able to watch that, 
straight up that's a shutter island masterpiece yep it's it's the perfect uh deck it's the perfect decade for the voiceover trailer too so i'm oh yeah i, I almost feel like it's going to be alluded to but i'm i'm curious uh the the there's two thoughts i have off of that that i'll make really quick which is one when when i think about like sometimes i'll watch movies and i i do think about them in terms of structure which is like one of my obsessions with music and and or or think about them in terms of theme and what comes back what doesn't the idea of uh like a piece of music that kind of takes two different melodies and then like the tonalities of them right and then swaps them it's kind of the idea of the the, the same thing that this move these two movies do which i immediately I'm, I'm making that connection in my head which i think is cool and i'm i'm literally putting it aside for a thing where i'm like oh you know what this is something cool to fuck around with at a later date i'm, I'm literally gonna write this down in my notes for you know just songwriting ideas yeah. that's the idea of it is cool the the other thing is go, just referencing my notes as i as you pick these parts um <laughs> uh okay george thorough good bad to the bone what uh, it's 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 a perfect needle it. drop. It's a perfect needle I, drop. Is it? Is, is it like the, one? Your one problem with it? Awesome. It okay. honestly, that whole scene is so good. Yeah. But it just like, I'm gonna say something. I'm ready. Because I, I was gonna you ask understand you. Understand this. I was gonna ask you about George Thorogood right now. So I wonder if this let's Terminator go. Terminator Two. Yeah. Is the movie version of the Black Album? Wow. Uh, oh, okay. So uh, now, well, where do you where do you stand on the Black Album? You think that it's awesome? I, I, you it fucking must kicks you... ass. Yeah, okay. it fucking kicks ass. Um, yeah. uh, it's the movie version of the Black Album. It's the biggest, loudest, heaviest production, mm-hmm. and it's all it all feels analog. Like it's there's those. The movie is the Black Album, and yeah. that. Putting bad to the bone is a little bit of load reload. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Oh, I, and I get what you're saying. I, I get what you're saying when you say that. Do you have a relationship with George Thurgood? He's a weird one. Not where it's, there's there's Not two songs. Do you even know the second song? Is that on your I, radar? Maybe. What is it? One bourbon, one scotch, and one beer. No, no idea. It's it's like I'm nine minutes edge. long. I I was gonna say <laughs> I am I am too. I, I know. I, I and I was I was I was very curious because my dad was my dad had a couple George Thorogood CDs kicking around the house and uh that song is like nine minutes long and it's it's like a nine minute blues song so it's a little grating but it kind of wraps back around by eight minute eight when he says one bourbon one scotch one beer again oh you're like this, this guy kind of fucking rocks um. Okay. Okay. George Thorogood, whatever. We'll, we'll shelve it. We'll shelve it. Um, <laughs> what's, uh, all right. Moment number two, hit me with it. Or idea number two, whatever it is. It's, it's actually both. Um, okay. When Sarah Connor goes after Dyson in his house. Cool. I have a question about this too. It's one of, it's one of my, like, I have so, like questions for you at the end, but okay. go ahead. So go ahead. My, my favorite it is both my favorite moment of the entire movie and my favorite theme that she wrecks this guy's office mm-hmm. and like is has no shame. She is not trying. Once she like goes in, she's committed to the bit. 
She just mm-hmm. like walks in. She doesn't try to sneak in. She shoots him in the back. He mm-hmm. falls down and she goes to kill him. And in that moment stops. And it's my favorite because Sarah Connor is realizing I am literally no better than the Terminator that came after me to kill me, to keep me from doing what I was going to do in the future. If I kill this guy for what he has not done yet. Yeah, that's a, and you watch and you watch it, you watch it hit her and she just breaks down. And then right then John comes in, but like watching this as an adult and realizing like that's why that choice was made because she could have killed him yep and then i mean i guess you know roll credits movies over world is saved (laughs) but like it is such a better choice to have her stop because she realizes she is becoming if she does it she is a terminator she has done the exact thing that brought her so much trauma and heartbreak just a couple years before that's i i really like that as a choice i really like it a lot um yeah Uh, it's perfect it's honestly it's like that's when i look at james cameron and go man you really know how to write a fucking movie i unbelievable the so before i get to the questions i want to do a little cameron talk but but i'll let you get to the third thing and the one thing that i'll go off of this second thing that you're talking about is okay so uh, cuz i'll save that question for after do you know who was up for this role for sarah connor who ultimately didn't wind up getting it i don't know if they passed or if i i don't think they passed i think it was a thing where it was ultimately just decided that it wouldn't be them was it sigourney weaver it was julie louis dreyfus Oh my God. I would have been, I honestly would not have been able to contain the erection that I would have had for the runtime of this movie. She's hot. She's, she is hot. And I wonder if it is a thing where she, like, I feel like the only way that I want that to happen is if she also goes and does Seinfeld, like, because if she doesn't and her career completely, uh, you know, if if like for whatever reason, just a lot of times people get, uh, especially actresses, get caught up in these kind of genre uh, movies, and then they're in that world, and that's like their that's their life. So the idea of like if she then gets the opportunity to do Seinfeld, because the other thing is like then who knows what happens with Seinfeld because it is so integral to have the four of them, the five really when you count Larry. I, but... I think truly. If if this is alternate timeline, yeah, I think Seinfeld and Julia Louis Dreyfus being in Terminator are mutually exclusive. One could not happen with the other. I I kind of agree with you. I kind of agree with you. And and so I think that we, I'm better in this universe where she is Elaine. But uh, it's interesting to think about. But all right, moment number three. Idea number three, whatever, whatever. The, so like I talked earlier about how 2001 makes you a viewer. Uh It doesn't make you a part of what's going on. It puts you in a position where you are watching what's happening as a third party. 
James Cameron does such a good job of creating the feeling that everybody has had the entire time Sarah Connor is in the mental institution and the feeling of knowing what's really happening and not being able to convince anybody. And because there is literally no proof and throughout every thread there is in Terminator and Terminator two, James Cameron really is the king of tying up loose ends. Just look at Titanic. I just rewatched that. I just rewatched that. Oh, I just that. mean that the boat sank. Um, and, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and even when people went to go try to check it out, look how well, for them. That I well, that's that. It's weird that that is the reason why I was like, I gotta do a Titanic rewatch. Weird that Netflix immediately put it on. Oh, uh, it was first. I mean, yeah, you're gonna get people watching it. Um, when, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shelve the camera talk for another second. But yes, what you, well, it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna branch off of what you're saying with it. But yeah, what you're saying about tying up loose ends and just his attention to detail and like the little detail stuff. I kind of feel like he's good at both, right? Like, uh, uh, the little detail stuff that uh you don't think about, or when you do zoom out and think about, it, it's like, oh, this is all related to that. This is all, you know, whatever. But then there's also stuff that he brushes over that he just doesn't he's like we don't need to worry about we don't need to worry about that let's just let's just keep going like i don't need to explain this i think he has a good sense of this makes sense because it alleviates having a large plot hole Mm -hmm. in the movie and he's good at knowing when to say yeah i don't give a shit about explaining that and if you come at me about that you're a fucking nerd virgin and I don't yep. care to explain it to you. And I and think he might that's use a, that terminology. He I might think use it's that a, terminology. He he is the kind of guy who would, and I like that. Um, yeah. like the cut of his jib. But yeah, um, like the ability to tie up loose ends is great, but the way he wrote those scenes of having to convince people, trying to convince somebody that you're not crazy, like we've all yeah. tried to convince somebody of something and had it just be like, I don't. I got nothing to show you, but you like, you just got to believe me. And I feel like everyone has weird fantasies of like, uh, not fantasies in the sense that we wish it to happen, but like we have thoughts of like, what if this happened to me and I have to like, you know, how would I handle it? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Just about anything. Like, like I had, I had this, like, if like, uh, uh, there's like, a um, just like the idea of you something goes missing at like your your workplace or something like that that you didn't take but everyone's blaming you you know what i mean and you're like how would you prove you didn't do it exactly yeah so for some reason just like your brain gets really weird it's like what if someone stole that thing and everyone thought it was me that kind of thing you know yep and like so how would you how would you handle it and like it's such a real reaction to have somebody in that position just go, okay, cool. I'm going to play the game and yeah. then to lose. And yeah. then they freak out. How could you not? Yeah. I, I obviously feel great sympathy for her in that moment. Um, it just, especially because you see it and you're like, this isn't helping. This isn't helping. This isn't helping as you freak out, you know, but and it's, you get it's it. It's funny because I feel like that is things like that. And Sarah having the, 
the realization that she can't kill Dyson. Like those yeah. are the the humanizing moments. And my least favorite parts of the movie are the feel good parts when they get to their buddy's house and they're you know taking oh, refuge like and he's you the, know teaching him the thumbs up like that shit is like get yeah. out of here i don't care the, and i understand the, it's like for pacing and it makes sense and it works really well but yeah that that doesn't make me feel that just that's like somebody telling me and then he learned what a human was and how to be human you're specifically talking about the the like uh the section of the movie that is ultimately uh here here is my friend with all of the weapons or uh what what was the little note that i made of this uh was it that that baby that he picks up is actually the cutest baby on earth that has ever been i i didn't i didn't have that down in my notes but uh where where is my i feel like i'm next time you next time you watch it and you hit that scene you go Oh my God, he was right. That's a cute ass baby. <laughs> I do feel like now that I, I texted you that I was like, yeah, it's been like three years between rewatches. I, I, I feel like that's too long. So I do feel like I'll have, you know, it'll be another year maximum before I rewatch this thing again. So I will remember the baby anecdote. But my my <laughs> little note was this is a pro doom prepper movie. Basically a, uh, you know. Uh, oh, yeah, for sure. It is 100 percent doomsday prepper. She's. She's anti-vax for sure. <laughs> yeah, 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 hundo yeah. percent. Uh, okay, so Cameron, I want to branch this off with the Cameron talk. Uh, I'm pulling up his filmography right now just because I want to see because he had the most insane stretch of any it, director ever <laughs> in terms of box office and just like the because like the stretch is strange in the sense that. It's not not strange, but the stretch is cool in the sense that it's not a lot of movies. He's like a guy like Kubrick that's like, all right, I'm going to take my time because I know that it's going to hit. Um, and obviously it starts with Piranha 2, which doesn't really start with Piranha 2, but that's his start, right? Um, but from there, Terminator, Aliens, The Abyss, which is maybe my the Abyss only... Abyss is one of my favorites. That's my only blind spot with him right now. Have you um, not seen it? No, I haven't seen The Abyss. All right. So The Abyss is unbelievable and has what I think is one of the two best perform like acting performances put to film. I think okay. the, fir- the I would say the second best. I think the first best is in David Lynch's Dune. The guy who plays Baron Vladimir Harkonnen <laughs> is like truly unbelievable like i i can watch clips and get fucking goosebumps but there is a scene in the abyss where um ed oh god what's his name let me i'm taking a look right now i want to see who's in the cast of this thing it's blank of the abyss ed harris ed harris ed harris Harris is like trying to bring someone back to life and he's like going in and it's like it's like you ever you ever been in a situation where you see somebody like screaming and they're really frustrated and everybody in the room's like yeah. just kind of stop and everybody holds their breath. It's a scene that does that to me when I watch it. I like okay. hold my breath because it's so intense. Um, I gotta do I gotta do the abyss. The uh, abyss uh, is phenomenal, but it ends five okay. minutes. It goes five minutes too long. If it would have ended five minutes earlier. 
would have been a perfect movie. Okay. Um, I, that always like, that always bumps me out, but I like, you know, I'm, I'm, it's, it gives you the happy ending instead of the cool ending. Like it gives the, it's probably like a situation where this is the ending that tested better with audiences. Sure. I don't know what to tell you. Got to do it. Sorry. Like a studio decision. I think, okay, really quick. The guy who plays in Dune. I just wanted to, because I wanted to see who, what else. I've seen David Lynch's Dune once. I haven't seen the, uh, uh, what's his face? The, the Denis Villeneuve Dune. Oh, it's badass. Um, I know that it's like, it's, I'm I'm weird about uh, Shyamalan, just like I feel like he doesn't have juice. Um, but like I'm gonna I'm waiting for that second part to come out, especially because I love Florence Pugh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna watch them both, and I'm gonna I, I'm I'm excited to buy in, especially because I love Villeneuve too. Um, but it's Vladimir Harkonnen, you said right? Yeah, the Baron Vladimir Harkonnen is right. the that performance in that movie is this guy. This guy's in crazy. This guy's in some of my favorite movies. Um, this guy's in. I just rewatched the Taking of Pelham one, two, three, and I'm pretty sure he's the he's one of the guys who gets really pissed off at the uh, gets pissed off that the the. Have you seen Taking of Pelham one, two, three? Oh yeah. He he's one of the guys that gets pissed off that the the subway gets hijacked and the subway uh, driver uh, it, it didn't like uh, charge the people with the guns. It, it it's awesome. Um, but he's in Dog Day Afternoon. He's in Stepford Wives, the '70s Stepford Wives. Um, a lot of cool stuff. Oh, Chili Scenes of Winter, which I've been meaning to. Either way, uh, I'm clocking that for next time that I revisit uh, David, or the first time I revisit David Lynch's Dune, which will probably be after I watch these two. I'm gonna. What I'll do is ones. after this is over, I'm gonna send you a, a just a clip, just a YouTube clip, and yeah. I would love for you to watch it. And give me your feedback on it because it gives me chills every time. I will. Um, I will. I absolutely will. Um, but yeah, Cameron, the Abyss. After that is T two. Then it's True Lies, Titanic, and then we're in Avatar world. I'm so it's twelve years before he before on, Avatar comes out. Did you not mention Terminator? No, I did. Terminator's Terminator at the top. I oh, okay. after okay, after sorry, the sorry. Abyss T two. Then. I, and like I, I am just glancing over Aliens, but it's fine. Like you know, Aliens is a perfect movie. If if I were, yeah, to, we all if, know it. It's fine. <laughs> if we were to on. stop, if we were to stop and talk about Aliens, we double the length of the pod. I think. Yeah. I'm. What I'm curious about is we we talked a little Titanic. Um, where are you with Avatar? What do you feel about Avatar? I think Avatar is a really incredible movie to watch on mute okay fine (laughs) um i i so i saw it and it is i think i have i would assume the same feelings that probably i wouldn't say most people because i think most people think they love it more than they really do i might think i love it more than i really do my my thing is i can't believe that a movie grossed so much money and was in theaters for so long and was such a phenomenon without having a any cultural impact the and, fr- well i guess both really <laughs> and and b i it is hard for me to watch a movie and at the end of it not remember 
the character any character's name uh-huh. or like be able to quote a line like there's got to be there's <laughs> like there's it's crazy to me that i like pretty much any movie i feel like that i've seen there's like a one line there's like there's something and avatar just like has like when i think of like oh what's your favorite part of avatar i remember like oh well like the rocks in the sky were really cool but those are just <laughs> set pieces if well you, i hear my other this is if you're an avatar lover respect i don't hate okay. on the movie at all but i love james cameron and I saw it when it like when it opened when it like it, within the first weekend. And we're and still I talking the first one, right? We're still the, talking the, the first. first one. I didn't okay. even see the wave, the shape uh, of water, wave water, the um, way of water. I'm gonna sell you on it after you're okay. done talking about this. I'm gonna sell you on it. I felt I knew like leading up to it that it was like, hey, this is James Cameron's script that he's had for like 11 years, but he's yeah. waiting for technology to catch up. And the first thing that I see is. Buddy, you had 11 years <laughs> and the planet is Pandora and they're trying to find unobtainium. What's your fucking problem? You didn't. Did you not re re go through it? You didn't try to rewrite it. That's, That's what my you whole settled thing. On? That's my whole thing about the he he's he ties up the loose ends when he when he feels he has to the plot hole stuff. But then there's stuff that he can just be like, yeah, 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 yeah. don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We're you're you're here for a different reason. Um, so I get, I get the hesitance about the first avatar and here's my unique relationship with avatar is I was like, I'm not going to see avatar when I was, it was 2009. I was in 10th grade. I was like, I'm not going to go see avatar. I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm not seeing every single movie that hits the theaters. Like I try to now, honestly, it's just a thing where I'm just like, I gotta see this. Even if I know I'm not going to like it, I just want to see it. I don't know why. It's the same thing with music where I'm like, I got to listen to everything. I'm now I've, I'm a little bit different than I was when I was in 10th grade. But because of that, I was like, oh, Avatar 2 is coming out. And the idea that the like and the idea that a man's kind of like the last 10 years of his life, a decade of his life is driven by one artistic idea. I was like, that's enough for me to go see or listen to anything like I want to see what this guy's got. This this is the, you know, accumulation of a decade of his of his work. Even if it sucks, it'll be interesting at the very least. So, I watched the first Avatar on my TV, you know, and I was like, it's fine. It's like a fine fantasy movie. Great. Um and and I know that that was the accumulation of 10 years as well, but I do feel like there's a growing pain there. Avatar 2 is so fucking dope, Mike. I need you to, it's a thing where I feel like I need you to see it when three comes out, when they do the re-release stuff. I'm going to, I'm going to remember to, to remind you to, because I will watch it. I saw it twice in theaters. It kicked my ass. Um, and it's, it's set in like three different parts. One is kind of, if you don't like avatar one that much, it's going to be like, all right, a little hard to get through. Part two is we're in a whole new world. It's like this water world. I, want to live in this water world it looks insane it just it looks so dope and then part and then the third hour is war and it's james cameron war so it fucking rocks it looks awesome yeah yeah yep so i i guarantee you you're gonna like two and and i understand your hesitance about one but 
it's interesting. It feels like, and I think he said on record is like, I'm uh, I can tell all the stories I want to tell through avatar from now on. I think that this is all we're going to get in terms of, I I'm not an avatar hater by any means. It didn't come off that way. Okay, good. I don't hate it. I'm, I don't feel negatively about it. I literally, I feel completely ambivalent. Like, Oh yeah, it's a movie. Like I saw it. Like I wouldn't watch it again probably. Uh, but I would for you. Um, you you will like the second. You really will. I okay. I almost I'm you know what I'm not almost I'm guaranteeing it. Also, I feel like you don't come off as a hater of anything, and and that's in a good way. So I have been. I was a a a very vocal hater of anything that I not even hated, <laughs> but sure. things that I was like, this is something I could like, but for a long time, I was in a space of group A likes that. And I don't fuck with group A. So fuck that shit. Like I don't I care it. about it. And as I get older, I, a, the most important thing is I realize it's okay to not have an opinion on something. It's yeah. okay to, to literally just go, Oh yeah, I don't know. I don't care. Like yep. avatar, like, yeah, man, I just, I don't know. It's, it's fine. Like it looks cool. It's badass. And I think when some, the amount of like work that went into it, it's like, it's not bad. It's not a bad movie. You can not like it and that's fine. But to say something like that is bad is like kind of wild to me. I've, um, I've, I've got a thing that I've been saying lately. That's that I feel like you're it's not you're for me. A, And and I feel like you're a very positive person in the same sense that I am where you're trying to pull the positives from anything. And that kind of annoys people sometimes when 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 I'm too positive around people sometimes or like something bad happens and I try to pull the good from it. That annoys people sometimes. Uh, But my whole new thing that's really, really rubbed everyone and everyone in my band the wrong way has been uh, there's no such thing as oh there's no such thing as bad music it's just music that's not for me or and same goes for movies and uh and they get they get upset with me my thing is like i i have no problem with somebody being like man i really don't like that right i i do not want anything to do with that i hope i never see it hope i never hear it like if it hits your brain in a way that makes you feel that way yeah whatever that's cool yeah, but to say that like, <clears throat> and it's hard because there are some things that are objectively bad. Well, that's the thing when I say when I say like, oh yeah, there's no such thing as bad music, just not music for me. So immediately someone goes, oh, so you think Screwdriver is good? And I'm like, all right, man, chill the fuck out. You know what I mean? I and you know what? If somebody said that to me, I'd be like, a couple tracks. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, uh, I don't support anything they're saying, but like, I oh mean, you got a riff, you got a riff. I don't know what you tell you. Like, I feel sorry. that way about. I feel that way about Ted Nugent. I feel that way about. Un- unfortunately, Cat Scratch oh, Fever is. Yeah, I can think you're a piece of shit. Guess what? Van Gogh was a fucking asshole, manipulative piece of shit. But what do you think? I'm never gonna look at Starry Night again. Yeah. It's yep. Crazy. Yep. Yeah. Fine. You can just be like, I don't know. It's not not my shit. Yeah, my thing is I used to <laughs> when I'm faced with something that I don't like, 
a good default that I've found is usually, I don't know, man. I just like hate breed. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I just, I like weird Al. <laughs> like, like it's a, I, a good default. I, 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 and I think bringing it back to Terminator two, I, I actually think that that serves in the purpose of, of that from a movie uh, perspective too. Someone says something, the vice of a better movie. I don't know, man. I, I, I just like Terminator two. And you, you also can't, when you're watching movies and you're hating on them, I feel like it's very easy to hate it for what it isn't rather than just appreciating it for what it is like, man, so many missed opportunities, like kind of how I felt about a lot of the, the, not a lot of the newer star Wars, but that last new star Wars movie, I was like, man, a lot of missed opportunities. And then I was like, or was it just a fun space adventure in a fantasy world? And I got to watch it in a movie theater with a bucket of popcorn yeah. it was it's dope anytime I'm, eating, it. anytime I'm eating a bucket of popcorn i'm a happy boy yes sir. Um, all right there's like five-ish minutes before we get kicked off zoom and i do think that when i rush these questions it's even better and i i give you almost no time to answer them let me just make sure i didn't right, write any go. down on my notes um <laughs> uh okay all right fuck it yeah let's so you're John Connor. Uh, what would you do in that situation? If you're John Connor, you wake up, you're John Connor. What would you do? I'm not going to explain any further. What would you do in that situation? I would be dead almost immediately. I. <laughs> it would not take long for me to. Uh, I would. I'd probably run as much as I could screaming that guy is gonna kill me and hope that people are like "Ah, probably shouldn't kill a 10 year old maybe this guy is not so good and people take (laughs) shit into their own hands um I would make a spectacle for sure okay that's 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 the easiest thing to do that's fair that's fair um okay I want to bring it back to that other the other thing would you have uh, if you had broken into that house, would you have killed? Would would you have killed to save the human? The absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, easy. I watching it, I was like, oh my god, I understand why she went, why she feels this way because of what she went through. She had the trauma from Terminator. Yeah, that she was like, I'm do, I'm giving this man that fear that I felt, but I don't have that trauma. I'd be like, buddy, sorry, you gotta go. Yeah, I was gotta, I ki- gotta kill you. I had that same kind of thought in in watching. I was like, you gotta, you gotta pull the trigger. Unfortunately, you gotta pull the trigger. Um, but, but how okay, bad would right. you feel if you pulled the trigger and nothing happened? You, yeah, like oh, oh and so the robots, somebody... which in reality would probably have happened. I mean, that's why they went to Cyberdyne and actually got the yeah. microchip because. Yeah killing the guy would have like, okay, somebody else would have picked up the research. Yep. Yep. Um, okay. Uh, is this the greatest robot movie? Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. Uh, like as, as the iron giant is my favorite movie. Yeah. Terminator two is to this day in the year of our Lord, 2023 is still the best action movie of all time like the cool. action that's sequences a fair answer are 
unmatched. The effects still hold up. How the fuck do effects from 19 CGI from 1991 still looks pretty good. It looks, it it looks a little like a code orange video, which I love (laughs) the, the, I think that like it being the, the nature of these robot things and the way that the CG looks it, like they help each other in a weird way where it's like, they're complimentary for sure. And the other thing that I had written, one of my other notes that I had written down is it's got my favorite 80s CG thing, which is like flashing green lines when that just happens. Like uh, the the beginning of the movie when when Arnold is being uh, born or uh, not born, but he's being uh, taken transported. To the, yeah. Yep. And it's got those like that's the thing that dates it in a funny way. It still looks cool because of the nature of the story. But I, I love those little screens green red squigglies hellraiser has them in the funniest way Oh, they're way. so good they're so yeah. good they're really just great. somebody with a little pen drawn on the film they're they're really great um what is the who is the hottest robot either in this movie or otherwise um hottest robot i have uh, an i have a definitive answer <laughs> rosie from the jetsons uh Fair. No, um, I I actually watching Ex Machina. That was my answer too. Yeah, buddy, she's that's a that's a legit grade A certified blue check verified Robo babe. <laughs> I, you you spoilers for Ex Machina. I get it. I get why he went for it. You know, I get why he got tricked. Buddy, you gotta you gotta give it all. Or you don't deserve it. That's that. That's a perfect movie. Um, and okay, I was. I don't know why. I, I must have been delirious when I wrote this one question down, which was, "Who is the most trustworthy robot that you know any anywhere any any movie?" And the reason that I asked about the hot one was because Arnold Schwarzenegger isn't hot, is he? He's just like oh, a he's, perfect. He's just a perfect human specimen. He's a he's he's what human beings should look like. But unfortunately, some asshole figured out that you can put ground hamburger on a grill and cover it in cheese and onions. Hamburger and so sandwich. Now, and so now we don't we don't look like him. No, 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 no. Uh, yeah, he is he is a specimen. Okay, but less than a minute. Most trustworthy robot. Don't even think about it. Iron Giant. Fine. Perfect answer. Um, Mike, this was great. So we've got two more episodes with you that are lined up now, which is going to be Billy Madison and uh, my, uh, and Iron Giant, right? Love it. Can't wait. Perfect. Dude, I'll text you. Uh, this was great. Really, really just nice to hang out for a little while, isn't it? Love you, bud. Big fan. Love you, love you too. Also a big <laughs> fan. All right. Thanks so Later, much, dog. man. I appreciate you. Bye.